Well, so as, as we continue uh, Mark's account, Mark's gospel account, uh, remember from last week, Jesus has been, uh, he, he started to speak in parables, uh, you know, illustrating, expressing uh, important truths by uh, word pictures, spe- uh, figures of speech. And, uh, you know, last time in uh, the first part of chapter four, he, he uh, gave this parable that was really fundamental, you know, the, the parable of the sower you know, which he emphasizes the, uh, the need to hear the word of God, to hear the word of God and to, uh, to receive it, to, uh, to bear fruit and, and flourish. And um, today, you know, it's very appropriate what we just sang about, about the king, King Jesus. You know, this is, this is about the, uh, the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, can't have a kingdom without a king, right? Um, I think I've I've mentioned a couple times in uh, little stories about our our oldest daughter Alicia. She was in Germany for for several years with her husband Mike, and uh, a few years ago we got to we got to visit them, and it was it was really special. Uh, you know, the nice thing about traveling like that and, and seeing a place is that you you know you've heard of these places that you get to see and then even later on you you might read about them or or see a movie or something and you go hey i've been there you know i know i know what that's like um yeah i, I would love to visit uh, israel you know and see where jesus walked and when I was when I was in seminary, many many times our, our professors would stop and, and talk about having visited such and such place that we were uh, talking about in one of the gospels. And uh, anyway, well while visiting Europe, uh, they they lived in uh, Western Europe, really close to the the border. So we got to see a lot of different countries. One of one of the highlights for me was uh, Belgium. And uh, th- this one place in particular, which I found pretty fascinating, was the uh, the town of Bastogne. Uh, in 1944, Bastogne had a, a population a little bit bigger than than Chihuahua, 4,000 people. But the uh, the battle that was fought there was was pivotal in uh, in the in the victory over Nazi Germany. You've, you've heard of the Battle of the Bulge. And uh, there, so there's there's a museum there, which is which is really cool. We we spent several hours there. Uh, there was a memorial there to all the uh, the people who had had been lost fighting to liberate uh, their country from from Nazi Germany. And you see pictures and documentaries of the uh, the horrors that were faced by the people in the towns. In occupied countries, you see pictures and documentaries of the uh, the excitement and the joy and the appreciation by the uh, people in the towns and cities who were liberated. And uh, this this brings us to where we're at in the in the story of of Jesus in uh, first century uh, Judea. You know this this land that that was Israel, Judea, Galilee. Uh, Samaria, so forth. You know, this this was occupied territory. They were occupied by the uh, 
by the Romans. Uh, the, the Romans had uh, mistreated the people pretty badly. The, the Romans had desecrated the temple at one point. They, they sacrificed pigs in the temple just out of spite, I believe. Uh, they, they, they had brought a, a reign of terror on the people. They were an occupying force, and the, uh, the Jewish people were eagerly waiting the Messiah the king who had been prophesied to come and, and liberate, bring liberty. They were looking for a Messiah who would come on a, a white steed, so to speak, you know, who would, who would come with, with an iron fist and, and squash the, uh, the uh, tyrants and establish his, uh, his kingdom. And so it's against this backdrop that uh, Jesus begins talking about his kingdom, the, the kingdom of God. And remember, in the, in the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 15, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, and he was proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And we'll see as we go through this, uh, this gospel account that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is, is a central theme of Jesus' preaching. But the thing is, the kingdom of God that Jesus came to bring and the kingdom he was talking about was not quite what the Jews expected. You know, Jesus had, had said, well, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is near. It's, it's at hand he hasn't told us yet much about the kingdom, what it really is. There hasn't been much uh, exposition or, or explanation of, of this until we get to the chapter that we're at now. And Jesus starts talking about the kingdom. And in, in this chapter, he begins to uh, talk in parables and, and word pictures to, uh, to illustrate what the kingdom of God is. And so today's text is Mark 4, 21 through 34. Turn in your Bibles to Mark four twenty one thirty four, and as we as we read through this text, we see that Jesus is beginning to talk about the kingdom. He begins to show us the uh, the principles of the kingdom. So let's read, starting in uh, verse twenty one. And he said to them, "Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not on a stand?" For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With what measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said... The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he, not, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, and because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, 
which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them and they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we, uh, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us ears to hear, Lord. Give us fertile soil for your word to uh, take root and, and grow and bear fruit. Lord, as, as we open up your word, uh, shed your light on it. Help us to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at the, uh, the kingdom principles that, that Jesus lays out in, in this text. But first, you know, let's note that the, uh, the kingdom of God is here. Jesus said it's at hand, but it's not like expected. You know, the, uh, the, the people Jesus was talking to had some, some ideas. They had some expectations about this Messiah. The, uh, the expression kingdom of heaven uh, originates with the, uh, the late Jewish expectation that, of the future in which it uh, denoted the uh, decisive intervention of God. Uh, ardently expected by Israel to to restore the pe- his people's fortunes, to liberate them from the the power of their enemies, and the coming of the kingdom is is the you know this this great perspective of of the future, prepared by the uh, the coming of the Messiah, which which paves the way to the kingdom of God. And when the Jews failed to see the Messiah coming in power and judgment against the Roman Empire, uh, which was oppressing them, they they rejected him. This is what we're eventually going to see. So what is the kingdom of God? How does does God's kingdom operate? You know, even with all Jesus' teaching in in the Gospels, uh, historically, uh, many many Christians have, have had uh, a wrong or uh, maybe an inadequate view of, of the kingdom. Uh, the, um, you know, the Roman Catholic teaching throughout history has emphasized the, uh, the power and the reign of the church on earth, you know, through, through the ecclesiastical authority and hierarchy, the, the church structure they would say Christ is actualized as king of the kingdom of God. You know, the, the area of the, of the kingdoms represented by the frontiers of the church's power and authority. The kingdom of heaven is extended by the, uh, the mission and the advance of the, the church and the world. You know, in other words, they say the kingdom of God is visible on earth through the Roman Catholic Church. Well, in the 1550s, in the Reformation, uh, the Reformers reacted against this and many other false teachings against uh, abuse and the the corruption that they saw, and they they broke away from the the Roman Catholic Church. And, you know, on on one hand, that was a good thing. On on the other hand, sometimes they, they went to the opposite extreme. 
And the result is that many of the reformers would say, okay, well, the kingdom of God is in the hearts of man. It's, it's purely spiritual, purely in, in spiritual terms. You know, the kingdom is the sovereign rule of peace in the heart of man. Um, you know, some would claim that uh, the kingdom is here on earth in its fullness. Some would say, well, no, it's not here at all. It's, it's in some future time. Uh, which is it? Both. <laughs> Both. One of, one of the uh, famous things that I heard over and over again when I was in seminary from the various professors was the kingdom is already, not yet. Already, but not yet. You know, what we do know is that the, uh, the kingdom has a reigning king, and that, that's Jesus Christ. You know, John the Baptist anticipating the, uh, the Messiah declared the kingdom to be near. And we, we see this inbreaking of the, the kingdom of God as Jesus comes and he, and he heals people. He casts out demons. He, he brings God word, God's word. He defeats the, the attacks of Satan in the wilderness. You know, but we see the, the kingdom in its, in its infancy, so to speak, you know, in its early development already, not yet. You know, is is the kingdom of God uh, a future reality to be hoped for or is it a present reality to experience? Yes, both. So it's partly present, partly future. And many of its blessings blessings are, are to be enjoyed right now. You know, many of them are not yet here. Some of the power of the kingdom is is here for us. Some of it's yet to be realized. Some of the some of the curse and the misery of the uh, the fall can be overcome now by the the presence of the kingdom. Uh, some of it can't be yet. And so the uh, the decisive battle with. Uh, against Satan, against sin and sickness and death has been won by the death of Jesus and the resurrection. But the war is not over. Sin must still be fought. Satan must be resisted. Sickness must be prayed for and groaned under. Uh, that's, that's Romans 8.23. And death must be endured until the second coming of, of the king in the consummation of, of the kingdom. So we, we mentioned last time that, you know, what Jesus said about uh, teaching with, with parallels, parables, not parallels, parables. Parables are parallels of reality, right? People who were only interested in, in seeing the show, only interested in, in seeing Jesus for what he had for them, but not really interested in him, not interested in wanting to uh, hear what he had to say and lay down their lives and, and follow him. They weren't going to understand him. You know, parables, these stories that Jesus is telling, these, words, these word pictures, they, they take uh, digestion. They take reflection to, to understand them. And, and Jesus didn't give us a, a one-sentence summary saying, okay, here's what the kingdom of God is. This is the kingdom of heaven in 
eight words or less. He didn't do that. You know, it's, it's much too rich, much too deep for that. Way more meaning. You know, Jesus uh, asked a question in, in verses 21 through 23. He said, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. You know, in the original language, it, it literally says, does a lamp come in to be put in a basket? Well, it, the answer is no, of course, of course not. Uh, it, it comes in to shine, Right? You know, his, his plan is that we would hear and we would recognize and that we would pay attention, that we would embrace the kingdom. We would embrace the king who himself is the light. You know, he didn't come to be hidden. He didn't come to, to remain obscure, but that all would be drawn to him. So the kingdom is here, but not in its fullness yet. Uh, next, Jesus teaches that the kingdom comes in weakness and smallness, but it grows and is powerful. So what's the kingdom like? How do you describe it? You know, what, why do we enjoy writing, uh, reading a good book? You know, why would you spend the time that it takes to read 400 pages of a novel when you can buy the cliff notes? I, I, knew, I knew people in school who would, who would do that. You know, when the author could have maybe just given you one page, well, here's, here's what the book says. You don't, don't bother reading it. You know, we, we want to get the full meaning of the book. We want, we want to grasp the, the richness as the author, you know, develops the characters and develops the plot. And there's just so much there. You know, when I... I mentioned this last week, you know, what I consider to be a good book is one that makes me want to go back and reread. One that makes me think about a, a, maybe a particular character or a particular thing that somebody did. You know, why did they do that? Why did, why did he say that? Did I miss something? You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating that Jesus asked this question, what is the kingdom of God like Literally, in the original language, it, it, it says, what likenesses shall we use to get across the kingdom of God? What likenesses shall we use to demonstrate what the kingdom of God is? So why didn't God just, why didn't Jesus just give us a single sentence? He doesn't. He gives us stories, metaphors, likenesses. The kingdom of God is, is like this. It's, it's like that. So Jesus uses this approach to get us to think, to reflect, to ponder, to understand deeper. Notice how in verse 30 he says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or, or what parable shall we use for it? Yet when planet... It grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air cannot perch in its shade. You know, it makes it clear that uh, the knowledge of the kingdom of God is not to remain hidden. You know, the kingdom is not what they expected, but Jesus wants them to know what it is, what it is like. 
So Jesus talks about the kingdom. Now it can be illustrated by a man sowing seed. A lot of, lot of seed stories here, right? If you were here last week, you got a good, good talk from uh, Merritt on, on seeds, alfalfa seeds. So this, this man sowed the seed, it scattered on the ground, and you know, once, once he's done that, he, uh, he goes to bed and sleeps. He wakes up and, and does all the normal things that people are that people do. Uh, you know, it's not him who's causing that seed to grow. It's underground. It's in, it's invisible. Something something very significant is happening under the surface of the the dirt, and it happens without the farmer. It happens without his control. You know, and that the, the life was in the seed itself. You know, Jesus said the earth produces. The farmer is not the one who, who produces life. The man does not produce the plants. The seed becomes a plant which grows, develops, and bears grain. You know, the farmer is the beneficiary of the, the grain, even though he didn't cause the plants to grow. So this this is a picture that Jesus presents when he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So here's a question. How is this like the kingdom of God? This, this is kind of the kind of question that we need to ask when we read these parables because Jesus said, this is like the kingdom of God. And he doesn't, he's not telling us why. Why? How is this like the kingdom of God? You know, well, let's first look at the seed. You know, you, you can't look at a seed and know what it's going to become. Unless, of course, you're like Merritt and you're a seed expert. You know, but, but the seed has all the information. It's, it's got the blueprint for what that plant is going to look like, how it's going to be structured, what kind of fruit it's going to bear. You know, to become a fully developed plant of a particular species, it's, it's small. It's, it's weak. It's easy to take a seed and smash it and grind it into flour. But the seed grows, as it were, by itself, and the growth is not caused by people. Well, Jesus came to earth in smallness and in weakness and obscurity and darkness. You know, he was a baby born in an obscure place, and this baby is the son of God who will one day reign as king. Jesus talks about the kingdom being like a mustard seed. Another seed story here. He didn't say the kingdom of God is a mustard seed. He says it's like a mustard seed. He says we can learn about the kingdom of God by observing this seed, observing how it grows. He says that the mustard seed is very small, but it grows into a very significant sized plant. Big enough, he says, that the birds will build their nests in it. So how is the kingdom of God like a mustard seed? What's, what's the significance? What's the significance of the, of the birds? You know, we, we need to ask ourselves these kind of questions when we read these parables. You know, what Jesus is doing is he's giving us principles about the kingdom. You know, the, the illustration about the mustard seed demonstrates how the kingdom grows, how it expands. Uh, think about 
some of the some of the great revivals, some of the great movements of God and how they started. For instance, the uh, prayer revival of 1857 through 59, uh, which is known as the uh, Businessmen's Revival. One man, one man named uh, Jeremy Lampierre partnered with God. He, he said yes to what God was doing in his generation, and he led a powerful revival where it was estimated that within a year over a million people got saved. And this began with one man on his knees in prayer to God. Uh, what's, what's with the birds? Uh, I, I've heard different sermons and teachings on, on this. Some people would, would say, um, in fact, there was a, a guy who was on the radio and go, went through the Bible, and he said, well, the birds represent evil. Uh, because in the Bible, birds represent evil. And you know, immediately I thought, well, what about doves? You know, those, those are a symbol of, of peace. I, I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here. It's easy to get off track. You know, it, seemed that, it seems to say that the, uh, you know, the, if, if you say that, uh, you're, you're saying, well, the kingdom of God brings uh, evil and, and abnormality. I, I just don't think that that's what Jesus is getting to. You know, his, his emphasis is in the parable of the sower and the parable of the mustard seed is how the, how the kingdom grows from something small and insignificant into something very big. You know, a mature plant that, that grows into a very big plant, so big that birds can nest in it. God causes the growth. Uh, some commentators on this parable say that uh, it's an allusion to Ezekiel's prophecy where... The birds represent the Gentiles who benefit from the growth of the kingdom. In any case, the, the, the picture is of a large plant growing from something very small. That's, that is a kingdom principle. Another kingdom principle, a, a guiding principle in the kingdom we see in verses 24 and 25. Jesus said, pay attention to what you hear. He had said that earlier, right? You know, he who has an ear, listen, listen up, behold. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. You know, what's, what's Jesus saying here? On, on the surface, it sounds kind of... Uh, maybe strange, maybe even counterintuitive. But he's saying, pay attention. Think about it. I think simply what he's saying here is that people who give the most have the most. The more you give, the more you will have in order to give. The way to fullness is to empty yourself. He's saying that uh, givers will be given more to give. Keepers will have less to give. We can look at several areas in which this applies, and you'll, you'll see what he means. You know, first is love. You know, if you withhold love from people, your love will not grow. 
If you withhold people, you're not going to have more love. It'll diminish. But the more you love others, the more love you're going to have. Another one, knowledge about Jesus. You know, those, those who share their knowledge of Jesus will in turn have more knowledge of him. Those who keep it to themselves will have their knowledge of Jesus diminished. You know, I, I've found this to be very true as, as a teacher of the word. The more, the more I share, the more I know. The more my knowledge grows. It makes sense. You know, in order to share more with others, I need to learn more, to have the background and the knowledge of the Bible. Uh, relationships. You know, the more you invest in a relationship, the better the relationship is going to be. The more you hold back, the weaker the relationship is going to be. You know, th- those of us who are married know this to be true. The best marriages are marriages where each spouse gives and emphasizes giving rather than taking, right? Marriage is less about compromise where you say, well, you give some, I'll give some. It's less about that than it is each person giving all. You know, the point is that the people who give the most have the most to give. That's a kingdom principle. The kingdom principle is that in order to be full, you must empty yourself. It's kind of a paradox that you have to give in order to get. You know, love given only for love returned isn't love, it's selfishness. We don't... We don't give our financial resources in order to get more. You know, that's, that's wrong thinking. Jesus said that he who will be greatest in the kingdom of God will be servant of all. Very counterintuitive. That's not, this is not the way the world thinks. He says, he who will be first will be last. He who is last will be first. So to be full, we must empty ourselves. And Jesus Jesus himself gave the perfect example of this. In Philippians 2.8, the Apostle Paul says it beautifully. (coughs) Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is is a guiding principle in, in the kingdom of God. Fullness comes from emptying yourself. Well, as we, uh,
come close to closing here. You know, the, the kingdom of God is very central to Jesus' teaching. He wants to give us different perspectives, different ways to, to look at it in order to fully comprehend it. And as, as, as we go through Mark, we're going to see more and more what Jesus wants us to see about the, uh, the kingdom. You know, we, uh, we should not see the kingdom of, as something that's uh, abstract and, and unreal. It's, it's a very real thing. We have the presence of the king. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. We have his presence through the Holy Spirit who he sent. And as a church, we, we need to seek the kingdom of God. We need to pray for the kingdom to come, as Jesus said in the uh, Lord's Prayer. What did he say? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to long for the kingdom to come in, in its fullness When, uh, when King Jesus comes to, to reign on earth. You know, the, the kingdom is not meant to be hidden. It's our job to proclaim it. A lamp isn't to be put under a basket. A lampstand should be put on a hill, right? We need to let the light of the kingdom shine. We need to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world We're to, we're, to, we're to seek the kingdom, Jesus said, and his righteousness. And all of our temporal worries, says, those will be added to us. You know, we're, we're to have great hope in the fullness of the kingdom when Jesus returns in glory. Let's pray. Um, Lord, we do ask for your, your kingdom to come, for your will to be done. Lord, I pray for uh, each person here today, Lord, that uh, you, would, you would reign in each of our hearts. Lord, that you would have the rightful place on the throne of, of our hearts. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to, to come in our, our church, our, our community. And Lord, we, we long with, with great anticipation for your return, King Jesus. It's in your name, our Lord Jesus. Amen. That we pray. Amen.